I want you guys to know how much I love you guys. Let me tell you the evidence of that. For the last few months, I've had countless people tell me how grandiose and shiny my forehead is <laughs> because of these lights that now shine on me. And so they ordered me the stuff that you put on your forehead to make it less shiny. And so I hope you're all happy today. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's a true story. True story. <laughs> Life happens. Life happens. How many of you guys have one of those growth sticks in your house, like when your kids were growing up, and you would mark them where they were, where they, how tall they were? You guys, you still have those around? Like the kids go, and and my kids are growing like weeds. And if you've got kids that are under, probably sixteen or under, or eighteen and under, like every time you go to that board, it's like two inches, three inches, six inches. Like since the last time you measured them, we we don't have one, but my father-in-law has one in Beaumont, and it's just. Six inches, two inches. They go to the doctor. They grow in all this, growing like weeds. I've learned this. There's a certain point in life. You guys know what I'm talking about. If you're adults, you stop. You stop growing vertically, and you begin growing horizontally. Right? Like, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Like, this happens. It's natural. Not sure how it happens, why it happens. I just know it happens. And so, I at the end of last year, because of all the cinnamon rolls you guys gave me around the holidays, because I love cinnamon rolls, and my wife makes cinnamon rolls, and I preach on cinnamon rolls a lot, and though you guys make me cinnamon rolls, and they're so good, keep them coming, um, <laughs> hint, hint, but, but you know, th those have a lot of calories in them, and so I I've not grown since I was like 18, height-wise, but when we got married, which was 17 and a half years ago, I was like 150. I'm no longer 150, let's put it that way. And I had put on some weight. So what did I do? After Christmas, I decided I would go on a, a, a two-week diet. And I did. And I lost 10 pounds, like, pretty quickly. I'm thankful for that. There's good, healthy diets out there. And so I was just going to lose some pounds. Lost 10 pounds in two weeks. And then a guy named Fred invited me and Josiah to go hunting. And that's where we've been the last few days, and it's right below Enchanted Rock in the hill country. He's got an acreage there, and we got the privilege of seeing some of God's beautiful creation there. Josiah was able to get a, a buck yesterday. It's fun. You know, memories, memories, right? Well, I had the job of going after this diet, I lost 10 pounds. I, I was hungry. I, I, I might say I was hangry, right? You know what I'm talking about. I went to Kroger because I was tasked with the job of buying the snacks. And so that's what I did. And you know, you know where I'm going with this, right? I didn't go buy bananas. <laughs> you know better than that. I went and bought my favorite things. I bought, you know, you go down the bread aisle. At the end of the bread aisle, you have all those things that come in boxes and they're in plastic. And Little Debbie makes them. I invested it heavily in Little Debbie that day. I had some Swiss cake rolls. You know what I'm talking about? There's little things around. Three. Amen. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, man. I bought some of those zebra cakes. Yeah, you know, those white cakes that have little chocolate on them. Uh, me and Jennifer don't think they taste as good, but that's what I got. And I ingested a lot of those things over, over the past few days. And, and now I guess I'm, I'm, I'm confessing this to you, get, to you guys just to know transparency. I got to do better. 
I got to do better. Because what happens when we do that? My choice, there's a consequence, right? There, there's always choices. There are always consequences to our choices. That is exactly what I want to talk about today. Second Peter chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 5 if you want to put your finger there. But the title of the message is Growing or Slowing. I would give you today the reality that that is the truth of relationships. You are either, if you're married, moving toward your spouse or you're moving away. This is the truth for us as well in our walk with Christ. We are at all times either moving toward Jesus or we are slowing and moving away. I've been bringing light to many of the enemy, Satan. He's the great liar. Many of his lies the last few weeks. Let me give you a few of the ones that we've covered. The first is this. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ today, the enemy would want you to believe that Jesus is not real. He's a farce. It's not real. It's a made-up thing. Well, that's a lie from the enemy. He is as real as we sit in this room. Even more real than that, actually. He created us, and he sustains us even right now by his righteous right hand. He is real. But when we put our faith in Jesus, we move past the point of doubt into faith in Jesus Christ. There's a lie that, that the enemy gives to us, specifically the Western church, is that, that Jesus is something that you add to your life. And we said, as we looked at 1 Peter, that is just not true. We are either all in that Jesus is the Lord of our life, or we're not in at all. And so Jesus is not be like us plus Jesus equals this incredible thing. Jesus is not a part of our life. Jesus is our life. Are you with me? All right. And so that's that from that we got the title of our, our message series as we walk through Second Peter all in. We don't have it all together and we never will. I'm a piece of work, just like you are. And, and we will never have it all together, but Scripture encourages us and defines the life of a follower of Christ as that of all in. We learned last week that Satan gives even another lie. He wants us to seek the ways of Jesus and neglect the person of Jesus. Because there is a distinct difference. Sometimes if we seek the ways, the things we're supposed to do, if we say that Jesus is our Lord, every once in a while, we get to know Jesus more. But every time we get to know Jesus more, the ways of Jesus are produced. Are you with me? And so we said, that that we sing today is so important. The pursuit of a follower of Christ is not doing the right things and not doing the wrong things primarily. It's just knowing Jesus more and more. And if you don't believe that, you have believed in a lie. Life is found not in the things we do or say. Life is found in the one that we can know. And his name is Jesus. There's nothing better. Nothing greater. 
the fourth lie I want to give you today, and it'll make sense when I read this scripture. There's a lie that the enemy gives that there is a hierarchy of righteousness in this world. There's a hierarchy of righteousness. Like, like this, this life that we have in Christ, it's like a ladder that we climb. And the more and more close that we get to Jesus, we are more and more righteous. We even think some people, like, man, they are, man, they are heroes in the faith. There's no such thing as a hero in the faith. There's just people who have faith. And that's what we began with the first week. Peter definitely modeled that for us. He said first, before I'm an apostle, I am a servant. I am a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And I'll remind you of what we said that day. We are all equally fallen. And if you're in Christ, you are equally redeemed. Fully, completely redeemed. And there are kind of little a little distinct difference between when we, when we studied through Romans last year, we talked about there's a righteousness that we are given when we put our faith in Jesus. It's called imputed righteousness, that we don't have a righteousness. Jesus gives that to us, called imputed righteousness, when we put our faith in Jesus. And then, so we called that justification. We were not right in God's eyes. And then because of Jesus, he gives us his righteousness when we put our faith in him. We are given his righteousness. That's called justification, all right? But there is a process of growing in that righteousness. We call that sanctification. That's imparted righteousness. So there is a sense that we grow in righteousness. We grow living more and more right. But it has, it's not a value thing. It's a growth in character thing. All right. Before I move on, I want to make sure we, we get that. And this is exactly what Paul was saying in Philippians chapter 3. I want us to turn there real quick because this is so important. Paul got this. Peter got it. Paul got it. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, they don't have that up here. I want to read that for you. It's Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 14. And Paul had just got done with his like hero roster list of being a hero of the faith. Like if anybody has a reason to boast in a living a good life and being righteous, I do. That's the first part of Philippians chapter 3 of Paul. But he says this, but whatever was were gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of because of the surpassing worth of what's the word? knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That's what we've been talking about. There's nothing greater than the knowledge of Jesus, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. All these things we can do, completely worthless, completely useless, except for the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. That's what Peter is saying, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He goes on to say, I've not yet attained this. I've not yet attained this. Or I've already arrived at this goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
So we often say around hope, the growing is in the going. Like there is part of our growth idea for us is that we grow in the serving. We need to find a place to serve, and that is true. We're going to be pushing that into that in 2021. The growing is in the going, but the growing, first of all, is in the knowing. And that's what Peter continues to express. Progress begins and ends with knowing God. He's the beginning of our salvation, and he is the object of our salvation, and he is the fruit of our salvation, and he is the best thing that will ever be the end of our salvation, that one day we will see him. We will see him fully, completely. But that reality propels us to grow in character and maturity as an all-in mature follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's get to 2 Peter now. Finally got there, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort. I want to read that again. Y'all help me out with that word. For this very reason, make every effort. One more time. For this very reason, make effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities, and I almost called this series these next few words, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. If you look at verse 5, the very beginning, it says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And then there's a list. And it almost seems in this list... As we get to a few blanks there in your notes here in a moment, you can grab your notes there, your handout. If you're at home, there's a, you can follow along there. There's some notes there on our live stream hub that you can plug in. You can even cheat. There's a way you can fill those in the blank there online. If you ever get behind and you don't get it, you can actually go back to our website and get the notes that, uh, that you didn't get if you miss it or if you daydreamed a little bit during the message or whatever. Not that you would ever do that. Not that you would ever do that. But... As I thought about that, it almost seems, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and the goodness knowledge, it almost seems like it's a stepping, like a ladder. Like you get one, and you get to the next, and you get to the next. May I encourage you to realize that is not what Peter is saying. What Peter is saying is these are the areas that we have to grow. And, and the picture is more, instead of a ladder, it's more of Jesus is the foundation, okay, and there are all of these virtues, good things that we need to grow into. And as we grow into them, you just kind of spread them out on this foundation of our faith in Jesus Christ. It's all energized and catalyzed by our faith in Jesus Christ. And as we grow in that, we begin to portray this spiritual household as we grow. And so the more and more we grow when it builds on that foundation, it's not we get one, then we get the next, we get the next. It's all laid out on this foundation. And as we get to know him more, 
people get to see him more in our lives because all these things are things that Jesus Christ exhibited for us. And so I see this over and over in the New Testament is this picture of a spiritual house. And God is building on our faith these specific thing. But probably the most important thing to notice here as we look at verses 5 to 7 as it's not just junked from the previous verses. Here it's a command. For this very reason, make, it's a command, make every effort to add to your faith. And there's a list, and I'll come back to that list in a moment. But it is built on verse 3 and verse 4 that's not a command but rather a description of what God has done for us. You see, God's divine power has given us everything we need for this life of following Jesus. And that's why it says, for this reason, God has done his part. We must do our part. And that's your first blank. God has done his part for us. He has done everything, and he offers us everything we need. Maybe not everything we want, but everything we need. So he says, for this reason, make every effort to show yourself to be godly. So don't miss that connection that since God has already labored for us and is at work in us, we can access these godly traits, these godly characters. And we should not ever reverse that order because that would be a false gospel. It wouldn't be a gospel at all. What do you mean? Never say this. Never say, I will work out my salvation in order that God might work in me. But rather say what Paul says, I work out my salvation in Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in me to will and to do his good pleasure. We don't work in order that, we work for it already is true. Never say in our verses in Philippians chapter 3, never say, I press on to make it my own in order that Christ might make me his own. But rather say what Paul did, I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me already his own. You see, there's a world of difference between those two things. Think about a marriage relationship. Think about a husband who doubts the love of his bride. And he labors daily to earn it. And then, in contrast, a marriage where a husband has certainty of his wife's love and favor and pains joyfully not to live unworthily of it. You see, that's true. God is for us already. You don't have to doubt that, my friends. God is already for us us. He is with us. And you can take that to the bank every single day. In the midst of crazy, crazy stuff. I mean, let's be honest. These are crazy times. You might say, I'm going to be the first one that has said this, unprecedented times. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Never, ever doubt in the shifting sands of this world, there is a solid rock. There is a solid rock, and he is for us. 
and he is with us. God has and is doing his part. The question that Peter is asking us, will we do ours? We must do ours. So he gives us a list. Goodness, that's the same word we found back in verse 3. It's, it, it means uncommon character, worthy of praise, excellence of character, and exhibiting civic virtue. So it's this idea of living an excellent life. And it's the word earlier, that's who God is. He is excellent above excellence. That word never would do him justice, right? So it says, exhibit this, live a life of good moral character. And it says knowledge. So there's that word again, live a life of knowledge, knowing Jesus, and then knowing the things and the ways of Jesus after that. And then the next one is self-control. And this is the one that's tough. We're like, yes. Yes, I get that. I get knowledge. I get goodness. I get that. But then there's this word self-control. Maybe your version says temperance. And the Greek word means this, the restraint of one's emotions, impulses, or desires, or self-control. So it's a virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetite. So it's growing in controlling those desires that God has given us, growing in that. And then there's perseverance, the word for patience, sometimes translated endurance. And it denotes the capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulty. Patience, I don't like that word. Patience, endurance, fortitude, steadfastness, and perseverance. You see, mature Christians, growing Christians, have a long view of walking with Christ, not a short one. And that's the way, if you're into investments, they always say, invest long, not short, right? Five, ten years. We have to have a long view that looks past our current circumstances, say, if I am faithful, I know that God will show his faithfulness in due time, right? We have to look past our current scenario, our current situation, and say, God, I will press on, Peter did this, the apostle did this, even when they were arrested, even when they were persecuted, even when they were flogged, they persevered in courage and faith. And that is essential for us as mature followers of Jesus. Godliness, the word is eusebia, which we saw is an awesome respect accorded to God. Devoutness, piety. Discipline. We are to be a people who grows in looking more and more like the Jesus that we proclaim to be our Savior. We're to be diligent about that. And then there's two other words, which is interesting. Many times we just have love, and it's not translated separately, but here we have two different words for love. One is the first one is called brotherly kindness. It's translated brotherly kindness in verse 7. It's the word Philadelphia. Y'all have heard that right? This is, the, this is the love for each other. And specifically, Peter is talking about our love as followers of Jesus with our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We are to grow in this. It's essential for you and for me and for the mission of God. It's essential. Are you growing in that kind of love? In this Philadelphia, this mutual affection of the brothers and sisters of saints in Jesus Christ. And that, that's not easy, right? I mean, you know me, I'm not easy to love sometimes, and guess what? You're not either. I mean, sometimes. I mean, y'all are awesome, don't get me wrong. But, man, we're all 
pieces of work in progress, aren't we? And we have to extend so much grace, so much mercy, so much forgiveness that has already been extended to us. I mean, if it weren't for people, ministry would be great, right? No, that's not, that's not the sense. Like, this is so important. And I hope that you can almost tangibly feel that here at Hope, that we, we truly do desire to grow in that trait that any mature believer in Christ will seek to grow in. Mutual affection, Philadelphia. And then there's that word, that word that is used when God loves us. It's the word agape. And it's a sacrificial love. It's the word, you may remember, John 3, 16, for God so loved agape, the world. You see the sacrifice in that? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. No greater sacrifice ever given. And that is the love that we are to seek to procure, to attain in our life. I would ask you just a question. As the world sees those that proclaim to be followers of Jesus, do you think they see those traits in the modern-day church? That's a tough one. And I would ask you, as you look in the mirror, are you seeing those traits grow in your life? And I'll be honest, I'm not sure if I could faithfully say that in all of those. So there's always, in the midst of truth, there's always a challenge, right? Hmm. Always a challenge. And the second thing is this. We find in verse 8 to 9, it gives us this list of things that we are to grow in. And we just keep building this house as we look more and more like Jesus, our Savior. But our part, when we do these things, whatever there is, whatever that is, our part leads us into sinking or swimming. That's the blank there. Remember, there's always consequences to our actions. There's good consequences if they're good things, and there's bad consequences if they're bad things. I remember when I was a teenager, I was a lifeguard. Okay, in Livingston, Texas, and at the city pool. And I remember I gave swim lessons to these little kids, and now I see them getting married. They're older, getting married, and I'm old enough to see that, which is kind of fun, those that I gave. And I'd get them, you know, make them glide, put their heads under the water, and they make bubbles, and all those things you do and, and when you're doing three or four or five-year-old swim lessons. And then it was time for, after that, it was time for me to get on the, the lifeguard stand in the deep water and to watch over and keep everybody safe. So he got the diving board, and then over to my right, there were two really large slides. And it never failed, at least one time when I sat on that stand, almost every single day, there was like a two-year-old or a three-year-old. I couldn't see the ladder. They would go up that ladder, and they would go down that slide, and it's 10 foot of water right there below the slide. And they would go down into the water. They can't swim, never swim in their life. And so most of the time, it's weird. Most of the time, they just sunk. I mean, it's the most surreal thing. Like, you would think it would be natural for them to do this. It's like a lot of times, they just push down. Of course, I get out, dive off my stand. That's what I'm trying to do. That's why I'm there. That's why I got the big bucks of minimum wage or whatever it was, $5.25 an hour or whatever it was back then. And I would go and, and do my job. I would rescue that kid. Well, for us... In our choices, our choices lead us into sinking or swimming. There are consequences to our actions. 
they are either fruitful or hurtful. That's why it says in verse 8, For if you possess these qualities, if in increasing measure, growing in them, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their sin. That word for nearsighted is an interesting one. You ever heard the term myopic? That's the word. It's myopia. That's the Greek word. It's translated here nearsighted. Many years ago, actually most of my life, I was nearsighted. About eight, nine years ago, I had LASIK. You know, that's when you go in, and they gave me some Valium, thankfully. They gave me some Valium to calm my nerves, and they put some drops in your eyes, and they strap you into this thing you can't get out, which is very unnerving, very unnerving. And then they begin to shoot all these things in your eye, and you get this smoking smell, and it's your eye burning. Like, this really happened. And then I, after that, it was like took 15 minutes for them to do this. It was so fast. I couldn't believe it. you got to realize before this, I was nearsighted, but that's probably somewhat of an understatement because when I would go to the doctor and they would say, hey, you see those lines? Read the largest, the largest letters of lines. And I would, I would have to say what line and what letters. I couldn't even see the biggest letter, the big E, you know, on that. I was so, I, I was so nearsighted, completely fixed, and it's phenomenal. It is amazing. That's the word there, that, that a, a nearsighted people that are so nearsighted, so myopic, that they have such a narrow view of their life that they can't see all the goodness of God in the past and in the future. And so John Piper says, says it this way. He says, verse 9 describes what has happened in the person who quits swimming and is not pressing forward in Christ's qualities. Not growing, just quit swimming and is sinking. That's what he says. For whoever lacks these things, verses 5 to 7, is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten that he has cleansed us, has cleansed from his old sins, verse 7. The problem with a person who does not strive forward toward all, strive toward all the fruit of faith, he says, is that he is blind in two directions. When he looks to the future, it's all a haze. And the promises of God are swallowed up in the blur of worldly longings. I think that is what it, meant, what it means by short-sighted or nearsighted. And when he looks to the past, the forgiveness that made him so excited at first is well-nigh forgotten. And all he sees is an empty prayer and a meaningless ritual of baptism. Hmm. In other words, just as in verse 3, the power for godliness flows through the knowledge of God. So in verse 9, blindness to the past and future work of God blocks that power and leaves us. He uses this word limp in the water, drifting toward destruction. Listen, the enemy wants you to stop paddling, to stop moving, because in that he already has a victory. He already has it. So if you have stopped pursuing knowing Jesus, and out of that pursuing the virtues of knowing Jesus... Listen, this is a good reminder for us. It's time for us to get moving. It's time for us to get going. And that really is our heart here at Hope. We want you, five years from now, ten years from now, to look more like Jesus than you did today. That's a simple mission, right? We are here to make disciples, and that's what disciples do. They grow in the ways of Jesus. And it almost seems to me, as I use that word all in, that's such a challenging, almost frightening word. 
that I have to be all in. Well, how are, how are you all in for Jesus? Well, you do it one step at a time. That's why Peter takes the time. Do this, do this, do this, and do this. I would encourage you today, wherever you are in Jesus Christ, he meets you where you're at. Would you today take a step toward him? Would you today start being more intentional about knowing who Jesus is and who you are in him? Because it seems as though as we look at verse 9, those that have forgotten, it seems to know, it seems to say that if we live in the reality and that, that we walk as a fully forgiven man and woman, you will do what Peter says. You will grow in increasing measure in these Jesus competencies. Okay? If you do that, if you remember who Jesus is and who you are in him, and if you do not, and if you are not today, you have forgotten that. You have forgotten and missed the Jesus who redeems completely. Completely, my friends. As far as the east is from the west, if you come today dealing with guilt and shame because you have fallen, you've stumbled, may I encourage you with that? Jesus redeems completely through faith. I mean, completely. There's not one righteous in this room except righteous in Jesus. I'm no better than you. Jesus is better. So if you come today, so many of us, including myself, we daily mess up and fall. God is God who convicts, but God is not a God of shame. That's from the enemy. Today, if you've come with a weight and a burden of shame in your life, realize what it's saying here. What, what we've done when we have that weight is we have overlooked we have stopped seeing Jesus, who he is, and what he has done. So fellow believers today, remember today who Jesus is. Remember who you are in him. God has and will continue to do his part. It's who he is and, what he, and it's also what he does every single moment of every day. So today as we leave, will we answer this question, will we do our part? We have a part. God does his. He's waiting for us to do ours. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. I sense strongly today, I know this about my own life, there's areas in our lives that we need to confess that we've run away from you. We have forgotten who we are, a redeemed people, a reconciled people, new creations created to grow in these things that we're talking about in the ways of Jesus. So today, I, I, I would love to lead us, God, would you lead us through your spirit to come honestly today, to come transparently to confess our sins to the one who is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all righteousness, as 1 John 1, 9 reminds us. Jesus, we are a wayward people.
God, from this moment, may we have the boldness as the apostles did in the New Testament church. May we have the perseverance. May we have the willingness and the heart to press on, forward, not looking back, knowing that you have completely forgiven in the past and you are completely with us in the moment and with us in the future. Jesus, would you take the weight off our minds and hearts? Would you remind us that we are a free people, that we don't have to work for victory in Christ, but we can and should work from our victory that we already have in Jesus Christ today? Jesus, we thank you for that truth. Today, we thank you for doing your part. You've given us everything we need for this life. Everything. Jesus, find me faithful to do my part today. Find our church, our church family, not to be a perfect people, but to be a disciplined people, to be a fervent people, to be urgent about this thing of knowing you, our creator, our savior, and our sustainer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to sing a song. It's called Run to the Father. If you've been running away, man, this song is a good one to proclaim back to the Lord today. Don't ignore what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now. He's speaking directly to your heart about sin, about the shame that you're carrying yourself. Don't ignore that. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. I see it now. I know that I need you. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. You saw my condition, had a plan from the start. Your son for redemption, the price for my heart. I don't have a context 
for that kind of love. I don't understand. I can't comprehend. All I know is I need you. I run to the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for your word that you've proclaimed over us this morning. Father, may we be found faithful, not because we're trying out of our own strength, but because we're abiding in you, we're trusting in you each and every moment. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week.
Just.